Ein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Leute. Wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, and get their point of view across while bringing you game highlights. All right, people. What if I told you not only would Mark Uth finally break his duck, but we would score three goals in the process? To answer that, I'm bringing in my co-host, as always, joining me on the show, Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack? Did you say break his duck? Is that an expression that I've just never heard of before? Yes, yes. I mean, that sounds like a serious injury. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, luckily, it was not a bad injury, so he's good, as we saw this weekend. <laughs> yeah, man. Very, very eventful week. Two uh important matches two important results and uh you know some some scoring debuts as you mentioned along the way uh, i think the results were anything but straightforward at times but uh you know at the end of the day we got the results that we needed so uh very pleased with this past week's action it is a rare victory sunday uh we have we've very it's very seldom we have you said that this this year unfortunately yeah, i know it's sad i love hopping on and doing a victory sunday podcast but Hey, well, at yeah. least we got two wins this week, and uh, yeah, you know, while we'll we'll get to the DFB Pokal match later, but uh, our uh, our uh, rivals over in the Rural Valley, uh, Dortmund, they had it, they had themselves a challenge as well in the Pokal against Union Berlin. That also went into it nearly went into penalties. Um, a late uh, late goal, very uh, dramatic, very uh, controversial, but. Uh, they get the late winner in the end, and uh, they just scrape by Union Berlin. So uh, both uh, both Rural Valley teams are going to be moving on. Uh, did you see any of that game? I did not. I did not. Union Berlin really did well in that game, especially in overtime. They kind of took the took they had the better of the chances over Dortmund, uh, and it was more like a counterattack play that caught them uh, at the at the end. But uh, enough of them. Um, as always, we're going to start with some news. Uh, First, coming from one football, uh, the title of this article was Trouble with Rudy, Schalke out of tune. Uh, basically, this article is saying, you know, Sebastian Rudy, he should have been the immediate aid to the minors. Uh, instead, the midfielder is probably causing trouble. Uh, and then this quote, which is what I don't agree with, it says, In addition to the lack of performance, the club was not so enthusiastic that the 28-year-old had to travel with the national team instead of getting ready for the individual training. They're talking about when he went with the Manshaft. Instead of staying with the team to train, um, I don't agree with this because I think you know getting called up to your national team is something every player should take advantage of if they get called up. Why wouldn't you go, right? Um, who cares if you're in a slump or not? But to, to say that he should have stayed back with the team and train, I think it's ludicrous. Their, 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 their reasoning was, well, he rode the bench for Germany, so he you know might as well stay back at home. I'm like, nah, that's not good enough for me. How do you feel on that kind of situation? Yeah, um, I mean, who knows what really goes on behind closed doors that we don't um, get exposed to on a regular basis, but it certainly seems like that would be not the case. I would imagine they were happy for Rudy and Mark Ute getting called up on that last international break. Um, but then again, with the uh, the Der Spiegel leaks that happened 
this week you're hearing uh, yeah. <laughs> rumors of what was it, Bayern trying to block players from going to the national team, stuff like that. So maybe that is more of a widespread um, sentiment than perhaps we initially thought. Yeah, and there's also some uh, – those leaks are uh, interesting because they're also talking about, uh, you know, PSG and Man City, you know, trying to avoid uh, the financial fair play, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's a very interesting weeks uh, weekend as far as the leaks go. Um, so let's move on to our – since we're talking about uh, money, um, let's talk about uh, article number two, news, num- news number two. This comes from calciomercato.com. Um, Schalke president – the title is Schalke president rules out move for Roma target. Uh, so basically, apparently Roma have been hot on the heels of Matija Nastasic, who is the stal- you know the stalwart on the Schalke back line. Um, a quote from Heidel regarding this says, uh, "I haven't had any contact with Monchi, who is the the, the president or manager in, in the same situation in Roma uh, since 2017, uh, when he made an offer that I did not accept." Uh, Heidel continued, "Nastasic has a contract with the club until 2022, and our intention is not to sell him." Um, I, to me, it's you know I, I get when players, you know, are are hunted by other other clubs, um, and especially if they want to go to a big money move, whether it's they want to do it or a big club comes in. Um, in my opinion, Roma are, I wouldn't say they're a bigger a bigger club in Schalke. I would not. Um, if it was some team like Bayern or or if you want to stay in Italy, you say Juventus or something like that, you're like, okay, well, I can see you know it's a big club. They want to make some additions, blah blah blah. But if a team that's not if it's at your level or below you and they're trying to buy one of your players, I say forget that. Unless they're going to offer you like an asinine amount of money, why would you even entertain something like that? I feel like Roma's gotten a little bit of a bump to their prestige just because of their Champions League run. Sure, yeah. Last definitely. year and some of the recent performances of Schalke have had a couple of difficult seasons. Um, I mean, not so much last year, but you know, being out of Europe last season. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be happy with that transfer just because, you know, we lost Benedict Hevitas earlier this season as well as Thilo Carer. Um I think Naldo re-signed another year contract like earlier this season to extend it for another season. But, you know, once again, who knows how long he's going to be around and being able to play um, consistently and at a, at a high level. So uh, I think, um, I mean, the signing of Salif Sané in theory should have been very helpful, but I think Nastasic is kind of the guy that a lot of people look to at our back line as being um, potentially sort of the the focal point going forward. Uh, hopefully, you know we can keep him locked up and keep him at the club for a while. So that would be that would not be good if we lost him, like you know in January or even in the summer. Um, we'd have to definitely do some some work in the transfer market to try to replace him. Yeah, I agree. So I think it's just, this is this. A bluff piece, really, because there's, I don't, in my opinion, there's no chance that he goes. And apparently, as we saw this weekend, he's also a, possibly a, a, a free kick specialist. So, um, yeah, he's been getting yeah. in on those a little bit more recently. That's been uh, interesting to watch. Absolutely. Uh, and let's get to our fi- our final news piece. Uh, this uh, little blurb comes from La Liberté. Uh, the, the title is "Finally a good, finally a goal for Mbolo." Uh, so Briel Mbolo has found the net in the Bundesliga. Uh, this weekend, the Swiss striker scored Schalke's second goal in the 3-1 victory against Hanover. Imbolo had just scored only one goal this season, uh, and that came in the, fi- in the 15th of September in a defeat against Gladbach, 2-1 on match day three. Um, it basically, the article says, you know, Schalke may have found an offensive hit with Saturday's three goals, and the previous nine games, the Gelsenkirchen club only scored five goals in total. Um, so it just went on about, you know... Um, 
how how this may be the the, the break that Imbolo needs to get going because this is one of his better games he's had in a Schalke in a Schalke uniform, in my opinion, at least. He's hugely important. Um, he's a guy that we've been banking on to to live up to yeah. sort of the reputation he had coming from uh, FC Basel and um, hasn't always done that consistently up to this point. So and it hasn't just been him this season. I mean, everyone's been struggling yeah. up top, and I think that's partially a product of kind of the way that we've been trying to build attacks, which is not, you know, the fault of the um, attack-specific players, if you will. Um, but, yeah, uh, Mbolo getting things going would be would be huge for us. All right, uh, a quick rundown of today's show. I we just want to say real quick, the- Richard. Uh, yeah, go ahead. It seemed, you know, I can't, you know, can't verify these because I'm not, not familiar with these particular sources, but it seemed like those sources were a little bit more legitimate this year, <laughs> or, at least, or at least had more reasonable names. So, uh, yes, you know, yes. applause to you on that. Um, maybe I'll be proven wrong once I actually look some of these up, but <laughs> no more. They uh, won't all what, be obscure. M- yeah. Yeah, NBC Nashville, from, uh, Bundesliga reporting, and you know, Sporting Nigeria, whatever it was last week. The New Jersey Herald just missed out on this on this, <laughs> this week's uh, edition. So it was on the bubble, it, right? Yeah, it was. Close. It was on the bubble for sure. Uh, but <laughs> uh, anyway, so the quick rundown of today's show: we got we're going to talk the DFB Pokal against Cologne, and then we're going to talk redemption against Hanover. However, before we get to that, I want to play another little game with Jack, and this was going to call "Who Am I." Rules are simple. I'll read some facts and or quotes from a player, and you try to guess which player I am. I'll give you a hint by stating which years they played on Shaka. You ready? Okay, here we go. I, 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 made, it, right. I made it through last week without embarrassing myself, but <laughs> I, I feel like I'm going to get exposed any day now. This is, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm starting these fairly easy, so okay. at least I think they're fairly easy. So, All right, number one, um, this player is a current player on the team. Uh, he's 30 years old. He hails from Fillingen, Schwenningen, Deutschland. Uh, his nationality is Italian German, and he joined Schalke from the Bundesliga rivals Wolfsburg. Who is he? Dan- Who am I? Daniel Caligari. Correct. Very good. Very good. It is Daniel Caligari. Uh, moving on to number two. Speaking of Daniel Caligari, he gave us some hints on the next person. Uh, his, his quotes are as follows. And I'll read them one by one and give you a chance in each one. First quote, I like his mentality. He always gets his all, whether it's in training or in a game. Any idea yet? One or two, but it, that could refer to a number of different players. So, All right. Next quote, he's a fantastic guy. He laughs a lot and makes us laugh. The older players sometimes have a few wise words for him, but that's part of it. Okay. And the last quote, not everyone has his talent at age 20. Any guesses? Weston McKinney. Correct. It is Weston McKinney. See, I told you these are easy. Now I'm going to make this a little, little bit more difficult here. Um, going to number three, this player played for Chalka between 2005 and 2010. You have to go back a little bit on your memory log here. Um, this, this player speaks English, Spanish, Hungarian, German, and Portuguese. He is a German national team player. Um, he scored one of the best goals in River Derby history. And he scored a grand total of 71 goals for the Royal Blues, making him the fifth highest scorer in team history. Do you have an, a guess? I want to say Kevin Karani. Your guess would be correct. Uh, Kevin Karani, absolutely. Uh, old number 22, played for Chalker between 2005 and 2010. Um, his, one of his side volley against Dortmund in the rear derby 
back in, I think it might have been 2007. I can't remember. Um, it was a fantastic goal. If you check it on YouTube, it, it just re- unreal how, what kind of goal it was. So for, uh, um, for our listeners out there, it's been uh, close to a year since I first jumped on this podcast with Richard. So it's been quite a while since I've given my whole like Schalke fandom spiel. But uh, uh, Kevin Karani was one of my favorite players initially right when I became a fan of Schalke, which was probably around 2007 or 2008. So um, didn't watch a whole lot of games back then due to the, you know, the lack of Bundesliga, you know, streams and broadcasting at yeah. the U- in the U.S. at that time. But um, played a lot of FIFA back then. And uh, scored myself plenty <laughs> of goals with Kevin Karani. So there you go. Yeah, Kevin Karani is one of my all-time favorite Shaka players. Uh, no doubt about it. Um, so anyway, enough of the fun and games, Jack. Uh, shall we get the show on the road? Let's get into it, man. Right, we're going to start this one with the DFB Pokal from Halloween. Um, we'll take a quick look at the lineup from that game. Uh, Nubel still in net. Uh, Fireman still, you know, nursing the injury. Uh, the back back three of Nastasic, Naldo, and Sane. It's an interesting lineup that we thought would happen uh, more often than not. In the midfield, we had Alessandro Schoff, Sebastian Rudi, Amin Harit, and Hamza Mendel. And then up top, we had Yevin Konoplyanka, Guido Bergsteller, and Mark Uth. Um, anything big from, the, from that lineup uh, draw you as out of the norm or just uh, same old, same old from them? Um, I think, was that Caligari's first game where he, like, didn't start? I think it was. It had, it's had. it been a long yeah, time since he's usually in there, like, every single week. So I feel like that was... Probably the biggest thing for me is just a game without Caligari out on the right side. Um, but you know, it's it's shut up, so it's not like it was some you know unknown quantity for us out there. Um, Harit and Kanaplianka in the game at the same time, which is something that you and I have yeah. been interested in seeing, um, or at least the two of them Absolutely. involved on a more regular basis. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, beyond that, not really. Um, was Mark Wood playing in kind of like a deeper role initially? It yeah, seems so, like I mean, that it, would be then, the other talking it, point that is just kind of that, that that slight role change to some extent of him dropping into more of a somewhat midfield role. And it seems uh, a role. Well, we'll get to it later in the Hanover match, but um, he's he may be starting finally getting getting his feet you know underneath him and and starting to play with the with the enough uh, drive or 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 um, constant. Uh, pressure on the opposition that you know maybe Tedesco had hoped for uh, he's finally mm-hmm. getting his foot you know on the same page with everyone else so um subs that were used in this game you know Daniel Caligari did not start but he did come on in the 56 for Alessandro Schoff uh Brielle Mbo would come on for Kona Plianka in the 67th and Benteleb would come on for Naldo in the 72nd oh and then there was a fourth sub Weston McKinney would come on come on for Hamzi Mendel in the 90th minute four subs uh, odd you say? Well, not so much. Uh, Pokal rules state that you get a fourth sub when you head into overtime, as this one did, and then, of course, penalties. Um, interesting note on this match, Shaka have scored an appalling five goals through nine games this season. Cologne forward Simon Terude has scored 13 yep. goals so far in this fight to Bundesliga. Yep. Yowza. Top score down in Bundesliga, too. 
and uh, yeah, scored more goals than the entire Shaka team. So not fun. Times two. Yeah. Times yeah. two. <laughs> this is uh, and, oh, and I yet saw that. he didn't start in this match, which was curious. You had Cordoba yeah, up top, he, but um, yeah, it's that as well. I wonder what, what was the thinking behind that. I mean, obviously they want to be you know progress out of the fight the Bundesliga into the Bundesliga. But why would you? It's a DFB Pokal match too. It's a it's a big game against you know Schalke, a rival. Um, but anyway, it is what it is, and you know I, he was for me definitely going to be the danger man. Obviously Cordoba as well as another forward. Um, but you wondered once he got on the pitch. What could Chaka do to to nullify him? Because obviously he's a very good goal scorer this year. He can find the back of the net, and Chaka struggled mightily in that department, both offensively and defensively. Even though, like you mentioned last week, Chaka uh, do have one of the best defensive records in the Bundesliga this year. But like you said, it, it just you don't notice it because of the lack of goals we score. So every game we give up goals, you think it's so bad, but it's not that many goals were given up. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um. Early in the game, uh, I think it was something like ninth minute, tenth minute. Kornoplyanka had a chance. Uh, he came in from the left side, as he always does, going try to go on his right foot. Uh, his shot just went wide. Um, minutes later, Drexler, not Drexler, uh, with a good low shot that Nubel was uh, forced to save, and he saved it very well. Um, the young goalkeeper Jack, uh, he people were giving him stick after his first game, giving him two goals to Egestein. Not really his fault. Um, since then, he's played very, very well. He's even had a couple shutouts. Um, he, we're not missing Fairman as much as we thought we would. We talked a little bit about this last week, but uh, saves like saves like that when he gets down really quickly, it shows you that this kid has a lot of talent, and hopefully, he can continue to progress and get better. Yeah, I've been very pleased with uh, Nubel and impressed with him overall. I think that's one of the things we talked about last week was particularly that I, I'm a fan of his his distribution and his game with the ball, his feet. Um, and he has made a lot of good saves. I will say that this this past week, um, despite making a number of good saves, he needs to improve on making sure he's actually able to hold on to the ball after he does yeah, make those yeah. saves. Because there's been a lot of times where he's bobbled it or it slipped out, you know, and those can be dangerous and lead to you know second chance put back opportunities, that sort of thing. So that would be my one kind of criticism of him from this last week's couple couple matches. But yeah, on the whole, I would totally agree with you, and I think he's done a very admirable job in in Fairman's stead he's been very fortunate that the times that he has bobbled it there's been no one around so he's been able to get the rebound yeah. right away uh, but yeah any any given time he could play any team that someone will be there instead of him and and they'll take advantage of that and score a goal and uh he can't do it. he's got to clean yeah. that up but he's young and he, and he looks confident too he, he's most of the time when he's out on the pitch he doesn't look like he's you know a deer in the headlights like yeah he looks like he's like he belongs there and and feels like he belongs there, and I think that's maybe half the battle for a goalkeeper is just being in the right frame of mind and, and having the confidence and being able to you know organize the team and that sort of thing. And nothing's more evident than that than when his uh, his distrib- distribution because uh, both his both his hand passes and his, with his foot he's he's just so he does it so good he's so smooth on that um, and it's 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 a, it's something it's one part of the game that he's actually probably better than Farman at um, but hey, no knock on Farman Farman yeah. is is the captain so. Uh, we can't. We we obviously can't wait till he gets back. Um, the 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 goalless affair uh, would be broken up in the forty third minute. Juan Cordoba or John Cordoba, however you want to pronounce it, uh, would open up the scoring in the forty third. Like I said, with a goal which was deflected off Salif Sane to give the host an early lead. 
Uh, Jack, uh, we were just talking about Noble. It didn't seem like there was anything Noble could do about that, Jack. Whenever there's a deflection, the goalie's at the, uh, the goalie just has to hope that it, it bounces to him because uh, there's no chance in that. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again, but uh, my initial recollection of that was that it uh, it was probably going directly at Noble. Noble seemed like he was all over it. It wasn't that particularly well-placed of a shot, but hits the inside of Sané's leg and completely changes direction and goes. And nothing you can do about that. Um, and not a particularly great chance for Cologne either. Obviously they get the shot off, but there's a couple defenders in the way of put uh, over when he's taking that shot. So um, yeah, just a little bit unlucky there. An unfortunate piece of play for us. Going down one, nothing. If this was last year, you would just shrug it off and be like, all right, whatever. We're going to score again. We know we're going to score. Cause that's what the team does this year though. When we go down a goal, it's a little bit of panic mode, and you're wondering, can they score another goal? Are they going to give up another goal? What's going to happen? We don't know. Um, but I thought the team in this one uh, did fairly well and and keeping it close, giving themselves opportunities to score. Uh, but again, once they scored that goal and Cordoba scored, I was I know I was thinking that I'm like, okay, can yeah. we get another goal? Uh, we're going to muster enough opportunities. I mean. It, you never know in that situation like that, especially when you're playing a rival like Cologne. Yeah, it's so important for us this season to to grab the lead, just for exactly the reasons you said. Um, you know, we, we we've gone through a lot of games without scoring any goals, and we haven't scored uh, goals in bunches all that often. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely when we go down, it's 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 going to be an uphill battle for us to get back. We don't really have the confidence that we can net a couple and grab the win, or even potentially uh, equalize. But I felt, I mean, I felt a little bit better about it. Um, in this match, because I didn't think we looked that bad um, overall. No, um, we didn't. This is actually what was interesting is uh, actually I believe it was a friend of the show, Phil Bonney, that was on the call for this game. Um, and he was pretty critical of, of Schalke for the entire match. Um, I mean, I, I remember, I mean, he just, he said a number of times that he thought that Schalke were kind of sleepwalking through the game and, you know, weren't creating anything, and, you know, this and that. And um, I mean, I do think we were sloppy a little bit, maybe a, a slight lack of focus, but, uh, you know, I thought we had excellent width in this game and, um, definitely looked like we had more ideas around the final third than we had in a number of games recently. So, um, I had a little bit more optimism than maybe I otherwise would have going into that second half, uh, you know, based on the first half play. No doubt about it. The game looked all but lost, you know, going into the second half, the game's continuing on longer. Um, you're getting near the 90 minute mark. It looks like, uh, it's not going to be in the cards for us. As you mentioned last week, you, we wouldn't be surprised if Schalke had lost this game. Um, and that was until, uh, Cologne with a handball in the box by Rafael, uh, Chicos uh, gave Schalke a lifeline, a penalty called upstep Benteleb as he always does. He ties the game with a penalty and he sends the game into overtime. That, that goal, was big. Um, it's it's obviously a lot of pressure is on the line. You're in the 88th minute. You missed this. The game's basically over, right, Jack? So I I, I couldn't imagine the kind of pressure Bentele was under. And obviously he's shown through the last two years or whatever three years, he's he's uh, he's clutching these penalties. Yeah, I don't think up to when he took that one, he'd even missed one for us in, in a Schalke kit yet. Um, he's, he's definitely been lights out. He's, he's always very confident when he gets up there, tends to hit him with authority, plays him pretty well. Um, I had full confidence that he was going to put that one away. Um, and there was, you know, there was a lot of complaints from Cologne on that handball. To me, that looked to be obvious that he intentionally moved his arm out to, to stop that ball. Um, 
it, it might have just uh, been pure reaction from him, but it was definitely an intentional movement. I didn't think it was that questionable of a decision at all. But um, <laughs> definitely fortunate that we, we were able to get that because I don't know if we would have scored um, without it, particularly because I think Hamza Mendel went down with an injury um, just a couple of minutes prior to that. And we had used all of our substitutes at that point and weren't going to get that that fourth sub that you mentioned earlier until um, the extra time period. So, uh, yeah, we pull it back right at the death there. Um, Got to be heartbreaking for Cologne. Um, Typical Schalke fashion, though, yeah. at least from last year. Uh, get heart attack, get it late, either draw or win. So um, that's good to see that for sure. Because I agree with you. I don't know if we would have, had we not gotten that, we would have probably been out, you know, down one man, and uh, things would not been done been going well. But um, the game would go into overtime. We would get our fourth sub. McKinney would come on. Um, Schalke did look like the better team in overtime, but uh, still. As good as they may have looked, they could not break the deadlock, and we would go into penalties. Um, penalties would go as follows. Um, new man in goal, Alexander Nubel. Uh, great save on Marcel Holger to, to start it. Uh, I thought that was big, Jack. Um, I was, as soon as I saw that going, I'm like, okay, we got this, because uh, young, young young kid came to play. Big save in the first shot. Uh, he did not look nervous and so, at all. Penalties are always, I think, I mean, there, there's there's only so much preparation you can do for as a goalie or as a as a penalty taker, so I mean, take this with a grain of salt. But Nubel came out after the game and said that he actually remembers um, how Marco Huger used to like to take his penalties from training back when he was at Schalke, um, and so he was able to uh-huh. guess the correct way based on you know what he what he remembered of that from training. So, and that must have been when Nubel was what like eighteen, seventeen, maybe. So, uh, pretty great memory yeah. from him if that's the case, and, and it worked out. And uh, yeah. Uh, the former Schalke man doing us a favor there, but great way to set uh, to start off that that penalty shootout. I mean, I, I've never seen Nubel um, face a face you know a penalty shootout before, uh, so I really had no idea what to expect. And he's a young guy in the DFB Pokal, like you know, how's this going to go? But um, it's got to be great for his confidence and everything. Not only that first one go by. Yeah, and it had to be in confidence for the team as well. Um, after that save. Uh, the following goals were happening consecutively. Bergstaller, Oschan, Nastasic, Taroda, Kalajiri, Garasi, Harit, and Rise all scored consecutively. Um, so that came down to the last shooter. Uh, Shaka were the second team to shoot, so they had the last kick. They had the advantage at that point uh, with that uh, with that uh, Holger save by by um, uh, young Nubel. So... Bentaleb, who had tied the match at the end of the, at the end of the regulation, had a chance to win it. Never missed a penalty kick before, and with the final kick, it is one of the worst <laughs> kicks you'll ever see from a penalty spot. Uh, Nabil, poor Nabil, uh, basically passes it in the middle of goal where Horn, uh, Timo Horn, was just sat there and got made the easy save. Uh, Jack, anywhere else had he shot it, it probably would have gone past him because it seemed Timo Horn was frozen in the spot. A uh, lifeline for Cologne there. Yeah, I I don't think it was nerves from Bentaleb because it doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to, to be nervous. And he usually takes these with authority. I think he was just maybe trying to, yeah, or maybe just trying to be maybe? a little bit too cute. And it's it's probably more difficult for him Yeah, the second time around, having already taken a penalty in that game. So maybe he has more going through his head in terms of like, yeah, yeah I did this last time. It. Like, So maybe he's going to go the other way. Maybe I, just, maybe I should just kick it down the middle, that kind of thing. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it could have ended the game right there and, and given his, his record and what he did just minutes earlier, you would have fully expected him to that, but, uh, Timo Horn makes the save, pulls it back on, 
level playing field there. And uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not upset about that at all. I'll, I'll, I'm happy to brush that one off. He's been phenomenal on those for us all season. So I'm sure he'll, he'll be yeah. fine. I wasn't, I wasn't too upset with that. Everyone has misses now and again. So he, he's bad, built up bad, enough bad credit yeah. with us on those kind of shots to, to cut him some slack. Agreed. Though I did think at that point that was the game that the, the, the momentum had swung to Cologne's side after we took it with the first save. Um, Hector would step up. He proceeded to give Cologne the lead. Sebastian Rudy stepped up and uh, he he finished his opportunity. It was close, but he he got in. He got it just inside the post uh, to tie the game for Schalke. Next up, Drexler, uh, who's been a pain, who was a pain in the and ma- all match long for Schalke. Uh, with an opportunity to give uh, Cologne the lead once again. Um, he scat it over the bar, uh, gives Schalke yet another lifeline, um, and up would step um, the snake-bitten Mark Uth, and uh, he converted Jack. Uh, what, what, way, what way to boost your confidence with that goal, huh? Yeah, broke his duck, as Broke his say. duck. <laughs> no, yeah, that was, that was absolutely huge. I, I sent out a tweet after the match about that. I believe one of the, the one of the Schalke accounts retweeted, I forget if it was the Schalke USA or the main one, but um, just basically saying how, how happy I was that that, that that moment fell to him and he was able to convert that because, I mean, he's had a very well-documented, difficult start to the season um, in his time here at Schalke. And to, uh, even though that wasn't a goal from open play or anything or in the course of you know, a normal match, it came in a penalty shootout. I think that big moment for him, to win the game for us and, and kind of see one go into the net in a meaningful game. So I was, I was really happy for him and, you know, and Sebastian Rudy as well, who's also had a difficult yeah. start to his yeah. tenure. He was able to convert that penalty, like you said. So, um, awesome. I don't know how we ended up advancing <laughs> from that game, but, uh, it, it worked out for us. Yeah. That win, uh, means we progressed to the next round of the Pokal and we will face, uh, that was actually, uh, unle- unveiled today. Against uh, for or yesterday, I guess maybe today. Yes, it was this weekend. Either way, uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, in the next round. So uh, at least it's not one of the big giants that we have to face yet. So uh, as a favorable matchup, I would say if I had to choose any um, going on going on to the rest of the Pokal. Um, lost in the midst of victory, Hamza Mendel, as you mentioned, went off an injury. Um, he will be out for four months. I saw today. Uh, the, I think it was four weeks. Was it four weeks? Oh, I misread that. Then oh, good. Um, or maybe I did. I'll, I'll, I'll verify as we're. Either way, uh, did you hear what kind of what the injury was exactly? I, that part I did not hear. I think it was his ankle, right? Okay, I, I thought it was, but I wasn't positive, so I didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to say because uh, either way, um, it's a long time—four weeks or four months. Um, it's like the curse of the left wing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I believe what happened um, was. Uh, Ball was played into the box. It was actually a pretty good opportunity. Cologne player was going, going in for it, and um, he, uh, the player, kind of like tried to control the ball, but he, he stepped on the ball and sort of like slipped, and his foot went straight from the ball onto, I believe, Mendiel's ankle, with probably some significant force. And I think that's how the the injury happened, if I if I remember correctly. But uh, yeah, not a not a good position to have a player go down in, just because of the. Uh, uh, Ochipka has not played a game this season, has he? Has he even made a substitute appearance at all? No, I don't think he has. He's on the bench. He's um, been training, but uh, no, I think apparently I heard uh, when the injury injury came out today or this weekend is that he's still probably two weeks out before he come back, and so probably Baba Raman's going to be back into the lineup sooner than later. Okay, 
Okay. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think we were talking a couple weeks ago about potentially there were some issues with Baba Raman and his attitude, whatever, something going on in the locker room, which is why he hadn't been playing. Right. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what goes on there. But, uh, yeah, best wishes to Mendo on a, on a speedy recovery, hopefully. Um, you know, we had McKenny come back earlier than anticipated earlier this year. So let's hope that Mendel can, uh, can follow suit and get back there. Cause he's definitely been Tedesco's favored, uh, left back so far this season. All right. So we take that win, keep that momentum going. We take it to the weekend. Uh, we go against, uh, a, one of our team, one of the teams that, you know, seem to give us a lot of trouble, uh, in the Bundesliga. And that is Hanover, but Chaka were unfazed. They, they took that momentum and ran with it. They were three one victories that we mentioned in the beginning uh over Hanover. Um, you know, going into this game, it was obviously, you know, Brighton Ryder facing his old team and Salif Sane, his first appearance against his old team. Um, and Horst Helt, correct? Uh, yes, correct. Correct. So uh it was interesting, you know, the small little storylines as you'll have in every matchup. Um I was more curious to see how Salif Sane would would go because he was, you know, a member of this team last year, a very instrumental part. He knows his team, you know, inside and out. They know him inside and out. So I was curious to see how what the, what the battle would be in between the lines there. Um, so, but he played an overall good game. Um, the lineup in this one, Nubel, you had a back three this time of Stambouli, Sane, and Astasic. Uh, midfield of Kalajiri back in the starting lineup with Harit, Benteleb, Serdar, and Alessandro Schoff on the left. And then up top, you had Embolo and Uth. Um, what'd you make of Embolo and Uth uh, before game, looking at this lineup? Uh, it looked like to me a very, they're going for a fast, uh, fast striker pairing, uh, two guys who have some wheels, especially Mbolo. Um, but what'd you make of the, the, those two starting? Yeah, absolutely. Those are, um, arguably, uh, you know, two of the, two of the fastest. I mean, I mean, I guess you can call kind of playing a striker cause that's kind of generally where he plays. I think a lot, I mean, I think traditionally he's been more kind of like a winger if you will. Um, but amongst the people that are maybe more consistently classified as that. I think Mbolo and Uther definitely the faster, more athletic ones that we have. Um, so uh, I like that pairing. I don't know how many times we've seen that this year. I'd have to check, um, but that's definitely uh, a positive approach. You would imagine just based on that. Yeah. And it's two players who we have a lot of hopes for, right? Uh, both strikers that we hope and score a lot. You know, one is a younger player, uh, Mbolo, who has all this potential, you can see it in him. He just needs to get find the back of the net. Yeah. Mark Uth, who's a 14 goal scorer last year, yet to score for Schalke. Um, it, so it was very interesting in that in that respect. But yeah, to it's a very um, positive uh, lineup for me, and, and sort of those two go. And then the midfield, um, you know, Bentaleb's back in there. Serdar was back in the lineup. Schalke on the left wing, which I felt very comfortable with. Um, and then Stambouli, who I think has been the games that he's played with Schalke, you know, during uh, during the injury woes, I guess I guess you would say with Naldo and whatnot. Uh, he's been a rock back there. It seems like um, he's obviously helping us with the passes. He's been a calming influence for us. Which last year we didn't really say that about him. He was always the guy who made the the silly play at the in the in the wrong half of the field. Yeah, it's been great to have um, him back. It's allowed for Naldo to. Um, rest a lot more. I mean, he played pretty much every game last season, and it seems like he's been getting rotated out uh, a whole lot more this year, which is honestly, you know, probably a good thing for his his longevity and all that. So, and, and Stambouli's such a calming influence. He, he's, you know, a midfielder by trade and um, much better uh, in possession with the ball at his feet than 
you know, most center backs you're going to see. So, yeah, we had been looking forward to his return for a while. It's been great to see him in the lineup recently. Maybe it's the captain's armband that makes him uh, play so well this year. I don't know. But either way, I like it and uh, hope it keeps going on every time he gets on the pitch. Um, first half, Shaka, it was it was not much to talk about in the goals department. However, Shaka, I thought, were dominant in possession. Um, but all for not, it seemed, because it seemed like Hanover had the better of the chances in the first half. Um, I think the possession-wise... I mean, overall, the game was probably 60-40, and it definitely wasn't the first half. But the shots were f- far more for, for Hanover as opposed to Shaka. Shaka, it, they had – go ahead. No, it was, it was a really frustrating start to the match yeah, for me. The yeah. first, the first like, 20 minutes or so was – honestly, it was, a, it was a repeat of, you know, the, uh, the Leipzig game from last weekend. It was, it was long ball city, FC long ball. Um, Shaka, you know, they have that that three one four two that they line up in pretty frequently, and in that case, that that central midfielder this time it was Bentaleb is kind of deep right in front of the the back three, and Hanover kind of set up this this three man shell in front of that to deny ball to Bentaleb, which is probably how it looked like Shaka wanted to build out of the back ideally, and it, for whatever reason, when presented with that, it took us like twenty minutes to figure out how to like build around that without hoofing the ball upfield because it would seem like, you know, every time Sonny or somebody would get on the ball, they'd, they'd look for Bentaleb. He wouldn't be there. They'd pass it horizontally between, you know, Stambouli and Nastasic, and then eventually somebody would just kick it long. And I was like, I mean, once again, you got to be kidding me. This cannot be <laughs> the way we try to play football. But uh, luckily we ended up finding a way around that and, and got into um, a much better and much more lively uh, and robust game plan than just you know those long balls we've been seeing. Now at halftime, Tedesco must have handed out some Kool Aid or something. Did something because the team that came out in the second half was a completely different team, in my opinion. Uh, they looked like a team we hadn't seen all year long. They had uh, attacking intent um, with them, and they were they while they had still possession, they were creating a lot more opportunities, good opportunities uh, in the second half. Um, there was a play, and I don't remember what minute it was, but it was certainly in the second half. Mark Uth taken down in the box by Korb. No penalty, though, was called. Originally, it was a penalty, then it went to VAR, and it said no penalty. Uh, did you agree with that call, Jack? Yeah, VAR strikes again, right? We've had so right, many right. calls reversed <laughs> against us um, from VAR uh, this season. Um, live, it certainly looks like a penalty, and I still think it – was a penalty after watching it. I think there was definitely enough contact there where um, I forget, I forget what, which defender was in, was involved. Corb. What was it? Corb. Okay. Um, did not touch the ball. Didn't really make a play on it, but really just got in Mark Ruth's way. And, and, you know, I, I guess you can say that uh, maybe Ruth initiated the contact to some extent because he was trying to go for a shot, but uh, I don't know. I, that's, that's a, that's a tough one to overturn for me. Yeah, and there was really no explanation. Uh, referees don't give explanations, not like hockey or anything, but um, usually the announcers know what's going on, and then even the announcers are like, I don't get that. It seemed like a penalty to me. Um, and so I watched the replay, and I'm trying to figure out why, and I still can't figure out what the call was. Like you said, maybe they said that, you know, Uth kicked the uh, core, but in my, in my opinion, you know, Uth has the ball, and he gets stopped by Corb, and, and Corb takes him out, and basically because, you know, Uth is going for the kick. So whatever, no penalty. Another call that was going against Schalke. 
Um, not the best game from, from Marcus Schmidt, the head referee, because it wasn't just that. No, there were a number of what I thought were fouls on our players that he let go. Yeah. Um, and you could see, like, it was at least Salif Sane, it was really getting to him. There was a lot of Schalke players that were super heated at that head official for the way he was calling that game. Tedesco, I think, was upset about it, too. I thought Tedesco was going to get booted because yeah. Mark Schmidt came over to him and talked to him, but I guess he, he was cool and calm about it and didn't want to get kicked out again because he did earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and those, those and, are the things that are just so frustrating, right? It's like um, we've struggled so much to, to put goals in. Um, you know, you, you get a goal – uh, reverse for offside. You get you get a penalty taken away. All this kind of stuff. Like it just that's not what you need. So, um, that just makes it more frustrating. You know, as a fan watching those games, like the, the few chances you have, uh, referees are taken away from you. Uh, that was the only time that Uth would be taken down in this game. Uh, later on, Mark Uth would be taken down again. This time by the goalie. Um, Schalke would get the call this time, Jack, and uh, Bentaleb, who missed in uh, the penalty kicks in uh, midweek, converted this one. Did you think that was a penalty on, on this call? So here's what's funny. is like Watching that replay, I was way less convinced of that one than I was of the first one. And, you know, the first one got overturned, and the second one didn't even – I don't even right. think it went, yeah. went to VAR. That You know, Me I wouldn't just agree with it. <laughs> so I, I don't – I mean – Maybe they were seeing something I, I wasn't seeing, and I, I certainly don't claim to be an expert on that. But uh, I could not figure out life of me why that one was such a stone stonewall penalty, and the other one was not. But um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got the benefit of one of those calls at least, and we were able to convert it. I would have been heated had they called that back. While yeah. I agree with you 100 percent that I thought the first one was more of a penalty than the second one, I would have been like throwing things if they, you know, they took away that one as well. Yeah, I would have thought like, oh, it's a conspiracy against us, but. They got in there. They tied the I'm game. pretty level-headed when I watch Schalke matches. At least I try to be. Um, like I mean, even even the the halftime of the the derby last year when we were down four nil, I had not yelled or thrown anything once. I was yelling at the TV quite a bit during this match. I was very <laughs> frustrated with the way things were going. So I was glad that one was not overturned and that Bentaleb got right back to his old ways. Didn't let that penalty miss affect him at all, and you know, slotted it home. And I mean, and I must spoke. I, I gave Schalke the lead, did not tie the game. I gave Schalke the lead in that one. Um, so that that goal was one like the fifty sixth minute or so. Um, around the sixty fifth minute, super sub Hendrik Vidant uh, would come into the pitch. He needed just five minutes after coming on. Um, Bebu on the right wing with uh, Alexander Schop guarding him completely embarrasses him and Uth. Um, crosses in a ball that Sane and a sausage were just caught ball watching and. Uh, boom, just like that, a goal by Wydant. Um It was just poor defending on that play all around. Yeah, uh, Baby's not a player I was really familiar with going into this one, but he was he was impressive, and not just on that play. But um, once again, this is going to be one of those one of those uh, plays I, I've talked about very similar plays this season. Um, I'm not going to put the blame on Shupf or on uh, Mark, I believe, who are the two players that Babu beat. Um, you know, to 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 free him some some space to make this cross. I'm gonna put the blame on Salif Sane, Nastasic, Stambouli, um, Salif Sane in particular, who is quite clearly just ball watching and watching this run happening, yeah. which he has done far too many times this year. I mean, like this is the guy that was supposed to be this great signing for us, and there's there's moments in the match where he he looks he looks excellent. You know, he runs out and makes a great sliding tackle to kind of like stop a break that kind of thing, but around the box. 
he does not have his head on a swivel and he is not aware of who is moving around, you know, near him. And and that kind of thing happens far too often. You watch as Babu, you know, comes through the Schalke players and plays this ball. Um, for, forgive me, I'm forgetting the the name of the the man who scored the goal again. Uh, was Wide Anchor? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Splits Stambouli and 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 Zane. And neither of them are anywhere near him. He has a wide open, uncontested header that he can put right past Newbold, and that that just can't happen. I mean, like, listen, if he comes and he beats you and makes a great play, you know, you, you tip your hat to him, but. Um, you got to have a body on him. You can't let him go through the heart of your defense completely untouched and get that free of a look. That was that was very poor defending, uh, in my opinion, and not from you know Shop. Who I mean, you know, you, people are going to beat you on the dribble. That stuff happens, but, but this lack of awareness is, is something that we were not seeing from Schalke last season. At least I don't I don't feel like we were. Um, I felt like we were we right. were just focused in, in 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 so many of those matches, and that's why we were able to grind out those results. Is just we were locked in, and there's these lapses in concentration this year that have just been killing us. Yeah, and just like that, like I said, you know, super sub comes on, scores a goal, ties the game. But before Hanover fans could even say "tor," uh, Mbolo responds and tie and get, gives Shock the goal, the lead once again. It was less than a minute. Um, right off the kickoff, Stebuli got the ball. A long pass to Mbolo, who did a give and go with uh with Guido Bergstaller. Um, there was confusion between the defenders and Hanover. He got a chance and he chipped the ball this time successfully uh, past everybody and scored the goal. Uh, good for him. He, he I thought he had a heck of a game. This is one of his best games I thought um, in a Schalke uniform. He was constantly creating creating havoc back there, and he finally gets a goal, much deserved goal, I think. Yeah, definitely. He had he had that opportunity earlier where he tried to chip the goalkeeper and really just kind of toe-poked it and didn't go in, and I, I thought he probably should have yeah. finished that one, um, if I'm being honest, because I thought he had enough time to do something with it. But yeah, great play here. Where he was, like you said, right off the off, um, ball gets put into him. Bowl. He makes an excellent turn and, and is, is trying to be aggressive right off the bat, which is great to see. Um, he's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. Like you know, it's great to see him using it. He, he turns on the defenders, splits a couple of them. Um, you know, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, that's not a, was it, Markuth? Yeah, right. I'm forgetting out the, the pass. Yeah, yeah. Keita Brookseller. Oh, Brookseller. Oh, it's Brookseller. Okay, he was in the game at that. But um, <clears throat> yeah, plays it out and it comes right back into him. And it wasn't a great ball, but as you said, d- confusion uh, with with the, with the defenders there, and uh, it, it falls back to Mbolo, and he was able to chip it in. And uh, yeah, what I mean, that's that's about as quick as a response as you can possibly hope to have, and and that that was massive. You know, that was a big momentum shift in the game when when Hanover uh, equalized and to to put that to snuff that out that quickly, you know, was massive. Not let the heads drop or anything; just get it right back and you know, right back to to normal business was great. And let's talk about that assist man uh, Berkseller. He was subbed on in the 58th minute for Soat Serder. I thought that was a very positive, very attack-minded um, uh, substitution. At that point, you already had the lead, one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would think you'd play defense, but you know Tedesco and Shaka wanted to go for it, which I want to see because how many times have they been able to keep keep the lead? Right, rarely this year. So yeah. I thought that they, the fact that they had him out there, I was like, okay, good. They want to try to go for the second goal, and they look good. Yeah, I, I think Tedesco had been planning on making that substitution um, right before the penalty happened. And then even after that goal, he, he he stuck with it and put him in anyway, which, as you said, is a very positive move to make. I just don't think Suat Serdar was was impacting the game all that much, personally. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that he was taken off. But yeah, that, that's a very positive move to make, putting putting a you know a third striker on the pitch. 
And my, my fear was that, you know, when I knew Burksteller was coming on, my fear was that they're going to take off Mark Uth or Abriel Ambolo because both of those players I thought were having excellent games and they had excellent games. Um, so the fact that they kept them on was, I'm like, I was so happy about that because I thought it could ruin any kind of momentum that we would have had, uh, with that goal. Um, so the fact that they kept them on and went with someone in the midfield, I thought like big kudos to Tedesco uh, for getting that right. Um, speaking of Mark Uth, he did have a great game. He was, he was, Everywhere is omnipresent in the, in the opposition box, uh, creating chances. He had a couple, a handful of opportunities to score goals in this game. Um, Jack, he was everywhere. And finally, in the 85th minute, as I say, he broke his duck uh, with the goal. Beautiful pass by Harit. Really, Berkseller yeah. with a great back back check. Gets the ball, back heels it to Harit. Harit, with a heads-up play, finds a wide-open Mark Uth, who does well under pressure, stops, gets some, gets some you know, free space for himself, and scores the goal. Um, great, great play there. And a couple minutes before that goal, Mbolo had done the same thing where he backtracked big time and, and stole the ball back. So great, great play there. Good for Mbolo, good for Burkseller, Harit, everybody right there. Um, but Uth, Uth gets the credit for this game because for that goal for sure. And, uh, he had a tremendous game, I thought. Yeah, thank you for mentioning Bergsaw because I don't feel like I was seeing a lot of credit going to him, but that is a nasty back heel. He's, he's running like, you know, best practically like, not like a full out sprint, but he, he's running towards the sideline, um, trying to save this ball, and he just he back heels it right to Harit, who it, right into his path. It was a thing of beauty. And he had two defenders yeah, on he him. Did. Then, I mean, he, um, I mean, he totally Burksaller. opened up the entire play um, with that pass. That, that's what set the whole thing off. And then, as you said, Mark Uth's making this trailing run on the right side. He's he's kind of unmarked. Um, uh, you know, all the all the uh, the handover uh attention is, is focused on Harit and and Mbolo and, and what's going on there. there there's one handover player that's tr- streaking bra- back trying to catch up with Uth, but there's no one that's trying to deny him ball in terms of you know b- between him and Harit and Harit uh makes the right decision and plays that over to him um now, and the thing is like Uth did not even know that that handover defender was sneaking up on his back so um I think he's lucky that he didn't have that ball stripped from him because that that defender almost yeah, took it yeah. away from him but luckily he missed. He was able to, you know, take that touch and made no mistake about it. And you could see how much it meant to him immediately. Um, yeah. I mean, such a huge weight off his shoulders, getting that monkey off his back. I mean, just unbelievable. Um, the amount of emotion that he had, and, and and the team as well. I mean, the team was hyping the crowd up, and the team was really celebrating, you know, for him, which was uh, great to see. It was a really, it was a really special moment. So, I mean, Mark had a really great week, in my opinion. Both matches, yeah. um, and, and these are the kind of performances this guy's capable of. We saw it from him last year. Uh, it, it's taken a you know a little while to get going. The whole team's been struggling, but this was a positive week and a very positive week for a couple guys in particular. And um, hopefully, it's it's just onwards and upwards from here. But it was uh, it was great to see. Um, couple couple of notes there. Uh, Sebastian Rudy, I think, also fed off that uh, game previously in the Pokal, um, and this week when he came, he got subbed in in the 72nd minute or so, and he looked good in the game. He had a good opportunity for goal that just went over the bar, uh, so I thought he did very well. But yeah, Mark Uth, I you know I agree with your tweet earlier in the week where that goal was really a big boost of confidence for him getting the game-winning goal in the penalty shootout. Uh, it fed over into this game. He was, he was everywhere, causing trouble, had a lot of opportunities. And then finally getting that goal, you can see the, the relief off of, off of him and the, the team jumps him and celebrates him, uh, celebrates with him. So uh, great, great stuff there. Uh, so Shaka win 3-1, uh, three goals. Ridiculous. I know what happened. Um, 
Shaka have moved up in one place in the table. They are now in 14th place, 10 points from 10 games. But, you know, that uh, people say doom and gloom, right? But on a, on a good note, um, Shaka only sits seven points from a Europa League spot and nine points from Champions League. So it's not as bad as people make it out to be, right, Jack? Yeah, we've been saying this all season, too. And there's been plenty of things to criticize, and we've criticized plenty of things. But, um, you know, the people that have been, you know, in full on Armageddon mode at this point are, are a little bit premature. Obviously, if it's if it's Christmas, um, you know, two months from now, and we're sitting in the same spot, you know, there's reason to be concerned. But, you know, it's still early in the season. And, and yeah, these table places, there's not a lot of points separating them just because we haven't had that many opportunities to gain points at this point. And, um, as you said, uh, there's plenty of work to do and plenty of ground that we got to make up. Um, and, you know, even a seven point or a nine point gap, uh, you know, given the way Schalke has been playing this season seems like a very, very difficult task to, to overcome that. But, um, you know, in a matter of practicality, that's a couple of results here and a couple of results there. And, and we're right back into the thick of things. So, um, yep. yeah, it just, it, it was great to see us get a win and uh, score three goals doing it because that's not something even last year that we did with uh, any sort of frequency. So that was uh, it was a great result. That one's riding high, high off the banks of that, and it's nice to put a little bit of space between us and the relegation places. We are now, I think, four points clear of Hanover, who are sitting in in sixteenth. Uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, so I'm looking at the schedule. Uh, we got. On uh, Tuesday, we go. Uh, Galatasaray comes to Gelsenkirchen uh, for their game match day four, um, and then on the weekend, a big game uh, with Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, who sit currently third or fourth fifth, on the I table. So uh, fifth, so they're having a good good season uh, to date. So uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, it'll be a big week for sure. Uh, hopefully, Schalke can. Um, feed off this momentum and take it. Uh, they did well against Galatasaray last time they played them, so uh, hopefully they can uh, feed off the goals and continue on that front and then uh, step up for the big matchup against Frankfurt on uh, next weekend. Um, Schalke fans, what did you make of the wins in the Pokal and over Hanover this week? Let us know about it at SF4 underscore podcast on Twitter. On that note, I think uh, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, we want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Bundesliga.com, OneFootball, CalcioMercato.com, and La Liberté for tidbits on our podcast today. Uh, special shout-outs to our friend at NBC4 <laughs> Nashville as well. Jack, <laughs> where can our followers find you on Twitter? Uh, at JM Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Send us your questions, uh, any topics you want us to discuss on the podcast. We're happy to address those and uh, you know speak to the issues that you want to hear discussed. So. Uh, yeah, interact with us there. Um, once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me on Twitter at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Peace.